Hey everyone, Matt Straub here welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is the Wednesday, October 30th edition. This season on the Wednesday show, we're going to be trying something a little different. We're going to make this a whip around episode of sorts where I catch up with a number of guys from the Roto World Hoops crew with their thoughts on trends they've noticed, players who might be frustrating them, some slow starts, fast starts, etc. We're just going to get their impressions throughout the season on things that have caught their eye in the fantasy hoops world. Today on the show, we'll be hearing from Steve Alexander, Jared Johnson, Tommy Beer, and Ryan Canals with some of their impressions from the early part of the season. We begin with a quick check-in from Dr. A. Checking in now with the esteemed Dr. A, Steve Alexander. Uh, Steve, what storyline or storylines, what's caught your eye this first week plus of the NBA season? Well, for starters, my I think I have 11 teams, and I think I think I went maybe nine and two, eight and three, somewhere in there. Had a pretty successful first week. Um, of course, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Luca and Trey. Um, last year it was Luca versus Trey. This year it's Luca and Trey. Those are my boys. They're my children. Uh, <laughs> I drafted them wherever I could, and they're both going ballistic, and it's it's pretty fun. Pretty fun storyline for me because I sort of, as everyone knows, went all in on Luca and and if Luca came out and played poorly, it was gonna not be a very fun season or fun time for me. And yeah, it's early, but it, that to me has been really really fun. Uh, the play of Carl Anthony Towns just incredible. Um, I actually passed on him twice. I had two number one picks this year. Took Curry with one of them. Took Anthony Davis with the other after Andy Barron's stupid video came on and <laughs> talked really me out of cat. Haunted by that video. Second, <laughs> I'll be haunted by that for the rest of my life. Uh, and then there's, of course, uh, the other takeaway from the season is the the in podcast trade that you made. I thought that was amazing. And then you and I talked about one with Isaiah Thomas and Alfred Payton. And then Alfred Payton promptly got hurt. Uh, like within hours of that and i kind of wish we would have just pulled that off i was catching some flack for not making that trade from a buddy of mine who who listened to the pod and he said you guys really should have pulled the trigger on that he said i got pretty excited there and then i got very deflated very quickly when you guys (laughs) did not make the trade and and if he's feeling that way i imagine most of our listeners are feeling that way so everyone i apologize for not pulling the trigger but i also uh, don't apologize because it turned out to be the right thing not to do. But I, I will promise we will try to make more trades on the podcast, and we are going to try to be very impulsive throughout the season in that department. Uh, let's go back to Trey Young and Luka Doncic for a minute here, Steve, because, wow, uh, I'm looking at Basketball Monsters' nine-category rankings. Luka is currently fourth. Trey is currently 11th. And that is awesome. I, I am very happy to see this. Uh, I I drafted Trey Young in the Yahoo Friends and Family League 12th overall. I was a little worried I was reaching, but my thought process was in a best-case scenario, he is going to absolutely crush it. He is 11th overall despite averaging six turnovers a game so far. That's how good he's been. Um, And Doncic, 79% from the line. Right now you're winning the bet, but it is a long season, my friend. What was the number, 75%? That was 74. We'll have to go back and check the archives. Feel like it was seventy four, but might have gotten it at whatever 75. it is. We'll go Man, back. He hit Luca hit eleven in a row the other night, and then missed his last three to totally 
shatter my dreams. Well, he is shooting 50% from the field in the early going, uh, averaging over four turnovers a game. The turnovers probably aren't going anywhere, but if the percentages are good, then he's he's going to be phenomenal in fantasy leagues. Well, and the thing about turnovers, I think they're – I really wish they weren't even a part of fantasy basketball because every player like Trey, like LeBron – like James Harden, every good player that has the ball in his hands the whole game turns it over. I mean, it's just the way it is. I, you so know, I, I don't know. That. I don't really care about Lucas turnovers. No, you don't care about turnovers, but I will say that aforementioned Yahoo Friends and Family League is an eight-category league. There's something kind of empty feeling about like a, <laughs> a, a four-to-four a four match, you know? Um, empty feeling. <laughs> I don't know. You don't feel good about There's something – first of all, you can – you can have a tie in a nine category league, but those four four ties are much more often, much more common in an eight category league. A five to three win, it's okay, but it's just not as satisfying as like an eight to one or a nine zero. I agree with you about turnovers, um, and if there's one category to intentionally punt, I think that's it. But I, I feel, I've gr- they've grown on me over the years. I, I feel like they're they're part of my family. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, another takeaway I have is I rolled with my man. Nemanja Bielitsa for this week, and he kicked it off with 12 points, six rebounds, three assists, a steal, three blocks, and four three-pointers. Wow. That was a pleasant surprise. Uh, Marvin Bagley, of course, out, I think, four to six weeks. I was sure, Steve, if I had one bet I would make coming to the season, it's that we would not be talking about Nemanja Bielitsa all year again like we did last year, Mm. but he is back. He's back. I'm sure he's available in a ton of leagues. Well, none of mine because I picked him up everywhere last week. <laughs> and then I think I lost in my Road World Live uh, league by like 40 or 50 points or something. It was a tough loss. And Bielis is probably the, the guy to blame for that. I picked him and I picked somebody else if I shouldn't have. Um, and they kind of let me down. But I I rolled with him again this week because he, he plays four games. And he's the guy that can get you four threes and three blocks in one game. And that that's why I did it. But uh Somebody else that is all the rage in, around the league is uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah. I got offered Ben Simmons for Shea yesterday, and I turned it down. Wow. Um, which felt a little odd and a uh-huh. little weird, but I was like, I don't want to mess up my free throw percentage, and Ben's not playing that great right now, and Shea's killing it, and everybody loves him. He might be the flavor of the week or the month, but he's he looks prime for a huge year, man. Well... No, you know, it's funny. First of all, uh, SGA is not shooting great from the line, but he's shooting better than Simmons. Also, yeah, I mean, I I will admit I was kind of wrong about SGA. I thought he was going to be good, but I wasn't as high on him as everyone else was on the Roto World crew. I I sort of thought he was going to be good, but with a bit of a lower ceiling. I didn't see him, you know, being a 20-plus point-per-game guy, but that's what he's been so far. Obviously, only four games, but he's near 24 points a game. I mean, yeah, what a beast. I missed out on him because I was not willing to take the leap early, but that is paying off in a big way. Well, and props to Gallagher. I mean, Gallagher was, was sort of leading the, the SGA charge. And I was, I feel like I was leading the SGA charge last year, which was the wrong year uh, to be leading the SGA charge. I remember getting an email from a guy who's like, why do you love SGA? He doesn't hit threes. He doesn't steal. He doesn't do this terrible free throw shooter. Oh man! I was like, man, I think the kid can play. I think he's gonna blow up. And 
little did did we know I was just a, a couple months too early. There's but. nothing better than being a year too early on somebody. I remember when James Harden was first with OKC. I was years ago. <laughs> I was like, man, this guy's gonna be awesome. I was talking about him in fantasy, and it, yeah, I was maybe multiple years too early on Harden, but good times. All right, well, Steve, you got anything else for uh, before we move on to the next uh, contestant? Nope, Matt. I am good, and I am out of here. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, checking in now with Jared Johnson. Jared, what is on your mind as we hit midpoint of week two of the NBA season? I suppose the biggest thing on my mind would be what is up with Michael Conley? Dude. Uh, (laughs) This is a guy that I was super, super high on coming into the draft, and I pretty much didn't get him anywhere except for one league, and I'm just like, ugh, why was I so high on this guy? But And that he had that nice little... 12.8 12.8 dime game where he hit over 50% of his shots. I'm like, oh, okay. It was just a two-game dud. And then he comes out last night. What did he score? One point? Yeah, on Monday <laughs> night. Yeah, 0 for 7. <laughs> oh, man. He's had slow starts before, uh, but not to this degree. I have to feel like he'll turn it around because this is a guy, again, like I'm not going to really change my opinion drastically after uh, two weeks into the not even two weeks into the season, but, and, and I, I, I felt like he was a really good fit in Utah, so I'm not really sure uh, what's going on with him. It seems like the shots he's getting that I've seen are normal shots that he would traditionally make, uh, and they're just not falling. But man, if you invested a fourth round pick on this guy, you are not happy right now. You were, if I remember, <laughs> livid during the Roto World live draft when Conley got I taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like him. I thought, I thought he, I don't know, I, dude. Uh, I, I'm just gonna put some context on this. So last year, at this point, let's pull up the numbers. Conley was just a sixth round guy, and he was also shooting 34.1 percent from the field. So, hey. Hey, he's shooting 20 this uh, year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Like, literally 20, not not an exaggeration. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be – there may not be a better buy low in fantasy because, to me, the epitome of a good buy low is when you, the person potentially acquiring the player, are thinking, maybe this is a bad idea (laughs) because that means the person (laughs) who is trading him – is is really not feeling it you know because if you're it's got to get to that point where you're kind of concerned too that i think is a great buy low yes yes does that make sense and he can't possibly that yes it makes perfect sense and i think that there's no way he can possibly be this bad um i'm like is mike conley washed no i mean he's he's up there He's going to turn uh, 33 this year? I think maybe? that's right. No, no, no. He's 32. He's 32. This He's thir- year. Yeah. He'll just be 32 for the season. That's slightly up there. But this is a guy who scored a career-high 21.1 points last year. Um, he's joining a new team. There's always going to be an adjustment period. Uh, if you remember, was the Butler situation last year? That was, believe it or not. Yeah, he w- he started off terribly too, or I think his first year in Minnesota. Whatever, 
Uh, the point is, when these superstar players join new teams, there's always an adjustment period. So that's what I'm going to lean on, and hopefully he turns this thing around. I have a, I would bet a lot of money that he's not going to shoot 20% from the field for the entire season. I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that's fair. I Yeah, I ended up with him in only one one of my leagues, but it's uh, it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who else you got on your mind? Uh, I really liked Will Barton's debut. He was a guy that I got, you know, as a flyer in a lot of my leagues. And uh, he came out in his second game, and he, he made me a little bit nervous. Last night he was better, but he didn't shoot uh, great percentages. He, I'm still, I don't really quite know what to think about him. He's supremely talented. The problem with Barton is he's on this team that has a wealth of depth at his position. So if he's not playing all that well, you can put in a, a Malik Beasley or something. You can put in a Monte Morris. It's just there's so much depth on this team. Uh, Ernan Gomez, Michael Porter Jr. All these guys can kind of play, Tory Craig, all these guys can play the same position kind of. And that's what makes me nervous about him. But at the same time, it does seem like he has his bounce back and um, he's not shooting the highest percentage right now. But I think that that's something that will turn around. How do you feel about Will I, Barton? I really like Will Barton and I also got him in a bunch of leagues. And this this trend of you getting him in a bunch of leagues and me getting him in a bunch of leagues came to a head in the Roto World draft <laughs> where I took him and you were visibly upset as well there. I was quite I upset. I think you even said I don't I'm not rooting for him anymore. Yeah, I was rooting for him for his knees to explode. <laughs> I think he looks pretty good from what I've seen. Yeah, he's shooting only 32%, but that's just 3 games and he's playing 27 minutes a game. Barton to me is not really a guy that I worry about if he's getting minutes and I think whether he's starting or coming off the bench, like I think Michael Malone values him. Yes. And I, as deep as they are, I think he's a, a key piece for them. So I'm really excited about him. He's one of kind of my favorite uh, draft season steals, and yeah. I think it's only going to get better from here. Josh Hart is a guy that went undrafted in a lot of leagues, and he has gotten off to a phenomenal start this season. Um, I think that we kind of got, talked ourselves into – Alexander Walker because of his phenomenal uh, preseason run and his phenomenal summer league. And I like the guy, but we kind of forgot how good Josh Hart can be. He's been the first guard off the bench in a lot of these games. He's starting with Drew Holiday out. He's getting quality minutes. Alvin Gentry's talked about trimming down the rotation over the coming weeks, but I'm not really worried about that being Josh Hart. I think it might be Alexander Walker to begin the year if the Pelicans want to try to be competitive. That might not be the case with them opening up with four straight losses. Right. But um, I just love his potential. This is a guy who is uh, also like Alexander Walker. He was a, he was the not like even better. He was a summer league MVP and champion, I think, just last season. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't really work out in L.A. No one worked out in L.A. last year. Um, but he could be a guy kind of similar to Lonzo Ball, where all you need is a change of scenery in the right situation. The Pelicans run a really fantasy-friendly offense. And this is a guy that I pretty much swooped up everywhere after his first explosion, just kind of remembering who this guy was. And uh, I've been quite satisfied so far. I, I love Josh Hart, and I'm pretty sure you, you drafted him in the same Roto World League, didn't you? Or did you pick him uh, up? I picked him up after the first day. Okay. 
uh, I kind of took a cue from that and picked him up in a couple of leagues because when you picked him up, I, I noticed as well. And, man, I, I've come to be super high on him over the last week. Um, yeah. He's been a top 35 guy in nine-category leagues looking at Basketball Monsters leaderboard. Just production across the board, I, I think he's a guy who could end up being the waiver wire pickup of the year. Yes, I agree with that. Um, I just love his potential. He he can he's a guard that gets double doubles with rebounds, which is impressive, and he also has nice defensive stats. So uh, I'm quite pleased with that pickup. I pretty much have him in every league. So. Yeah, phenomenal. If we're talking about who who's this year's Pascal Siakam, just in terms of a guy who Definitely. who makes a leap to top forty value, I, I could see Hart being that guy very easily. Definitely. Uh, cool, man. Anyone else uh, you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, I guess I'll just pat myself on the back for Kelly Oubre. I felt like I was getting... I didn't even feel like it was a hot take that I was drafting this guy, you know, round five. And uh, I was... I actually received quite a bit of hate about that. <laughs> and uh, I, I just didn't understand what was the pushback. We had a 40-game sample size of this guy being a stud last year. And uh, sure enough, he's open this season, 20.5 points, 6.3 boards, two steals, one block, 1.8 triples, only 1.3 turnovers, great shooting percentages, shooting 46.6 from the field, 91.3 from the stripe, and that all amounts to top 15 value. So this is a guy that I was quite high on. I didn't understand the pushback, and I feel very justified without <laughs> without any pre-planning you have brought up a, a handful of guys i'm very fired up about and Ubre is one of those guys also man you you have him in the roto world league i knew that i wouldn't get him because i was picking 48th and 49th in that league i seriously yeah. thought about taking Ubre 49th uh, i like him that much but I, I don't know i had been getting him closer to 60 and i stubbornly didn't yeah he was dropping but i wish that i had because uh what a beast. I have him in multiple yeah. other leagues, and he's a guy. I mean, we talk about, you know, Hart maybe has a path to top 40 value. You said you mentioned Ubre's in the top 15 right now. I don't really see a reason that Ubre couldn't stay close to there because yeah. he was doing this in steals, blocks, and threes last year down the stretch with Phoenix. The difference right exactly. now is he's scoring a little bit more, and his free throw percentage is better. I don't know. Is he really going to shoot? This, he's not going to shoot 91% from the line, probably. He was like 75 down the stretch last year. But if he's 80-plus from the line, and all these other stats look very sustainable to me, God, he's a yeah. monster. <laughs> I mean, he's a career 78.2 free yeah. throw shooter. He's only 24 years old. So th he's just now scratching the surface. He's in a great system in Phoenix. Uh, Williams has done a phenomenal job coaching that team. He really has. Um, I, I was saying this the other day. I was really down on the suns when they drafted cam johnson like what is this team doing and seriously yeah. like it, it just was a, nothing against cam johnson but like everyone in the basketball world i think thought that pick was a reach yes. and it was just like what is this team doing like they they fired uh Kukoskoff, like after one year it's like this team has yeah. no rudder all of a sudden it's like man the suns i'm, I'm flipping on the suns on league pass i know they're fun to watch <laughs> it's crazy and rubio too credit to rubio because he actually yes. is you learn all of a sudden that Ricky Rubio is actually a real point guard in the sense that, wow, they have like an actual functional offense because partially because of this guy. Yes, definitely. 100%. All right, man. Well, we'll be checking in with you, Jared, throughout the season. Looking forward to that. Thank you for taking the time, dude. I'm going to hop over and uh, check in with Tommy Beer. All right. Sounds See you, good. Man. Adios. All right. Checking in 
from the great state of New York, Tommy Beer is with us now. Tommy, what has caught your eye? Any trends, any player performances, disappointing or otherwise, disappointing, happy from this first week plus of the season? Yeah, Matt, I think um, one of the things that has stood out to me from this first week plus of 2019 has been something that you and I have talked about quite a bit on pods throughout the summer and um, during draft season and uh, during the preseason is the value to be had in old, boring veterans. <laughs> yes. Um, it's one of the things that we discussed, how their ADP tend to slip um, undeservedly deep into the you know late, late rounds, the 12th, the 13th rounds. You could, you could have grabbed them off waiver wire in some leagues. Um, I'm speaking specifically about a few guys that have kind of stood out to me um, that fall into those categories. First and foremost, Cody Zeller from the Hornets. You know, it's, it, one of the things that we also discussed was the fact that in Charlotte there was somebody needed to shoot, somebody needed to rebound, et cetera, um, even on those bad teams with uh, Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb out of the picture. Um, again, there was huge slices of offensive pie that needed to be divvied up, and Zeller has stepped mm-hmm. in and, and made the most of it, averaging 16 points, shooting fifty over 55% from the floor, tons of rebounds, 13 rebounds per game. I think I kind of assumed that he'd you know, provide a decent um, amount of points and rebounds, and I assume he'll regress to the mean. Um, but if he can give me like 14 and 9, you know, 14 to 10 um, on, a, on a consistent basis, I'll be very happy there uh, considering how late I got him in drafts. But the thing that has kind of stood out to me uh, specifically related to Zeller is he started knocking down three-pointers, which is a beautiful sight. Had only 10 threes his entire career, uh, 10 threes in, in 38 attempts heading into this season and is four of nine from downtown over the first three games. Um, so definitely, obviously, a lot to like there. Some other... Uh... Oh, no, hold on. I got to pause here on Cody Zeller for a second because, first of all, when you started talking about like the old dudes providing value, <laughs> I was not expecting Zeller to be the first name considering that he's 27. Good point. Good point. It just seems like he's been around forever. Um, he is boring. He is boring. <laughs> by by like just in terms of like what we've come to expect from him in fantasy, the production is kind of like a we expect kind of like ten and seven from him. Yes, yes. So he's certainly exceeded expectations by far and he's definitely not old and but but a couple of the guys in Cleveland I think that certainly don't qualify as old in, in normal terms. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, Kevin Love is thirty one. Uh, Tristan Thompson is only 28, actually, surprisingly. Um, another guy that seems like he's been around forever. But again, right. those guys have, have been you know, putting up some really impressive numbers this far. Um, K-Love averaging 15 and 15, uh, two three-pointers per game, 4.7 assists. you got to love that for those of us that drafted him. Tristan Thompson has been a monster, um, 19 points per game, shooting 60% from the floor uh, with 12.3 rebounds. Um, a lot to like there. Um, again, Good players on bad teams. Somebody needs to score and rebound, etc. Um, even on the uh, on the some of the lesser teams in the NBA. Um, so I'm happy that I picked up those cats. PJ Tucker uh, out in Houston has scored 15 points in th- at least 15 points in three consecutive games the first time in his career. You know what you kind of you know what PJ Tucker delivered last season. Lots of threes, some rebound, uh, some blocks, some steals, very few turnovers. Um, one of those guys that has very limited value in points leagues. Uh, but if you're talking about nine cat formats, PJ Tucker has really, really, um, you know, enticing, really high floor. Um, so, so I'm liking PJ Tucker. A couple of the young dudes, um, as I'm sure some other folks have talked about and touched on, Kendrick Nunn out in Miami has been a monster. 
Brandon Ingram's really exceeded expectations in New Orleans. And right here in New York, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention R.J. Barrett and the strong start that he has jumped off to this season. A couple stats on Barrett that, uh, you know, that, that kind of have jumped out at me thus far. Through four games, he is the first player this century with at least 80 points and 30 rebounds in four contests. Uh, the only from 1985 to 1999, only four rookies tallied 80 points and 30 rebounds. It was Patrick Ewing, David Robinson, Dikembe Mutombo, and Shaq O'Neal. Monday night, Barrett had 19 points, 15 rebounds, five assists. He's the only teenage. Remember, the kid's only 19 years old. Only teenager in NBA history um, with at least 19, 15, and five in an NBA game other than wow. other than LeBron James. Those are the only two players that have ever done so. So again, uh, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, he's playing a ton of minutes. Has clearly earned David Fisdale's trust. So uh, I'm happy I was able to get him late in a bunch of drafts as well. Barrett has been an absolute wrecking ball if you're playing in a category-based league because he's been shaky from the line. Yes. Isn't he 40-something percent yes. of like six attempts a game and nearly four turnovers a game? Yep. But, man, the counting stats are spectacular. And he's a guy who is, is looking like a must-have if you're punting free throws. And there are a lot of good free throw punt players this season. Um, it would have been a fun year to punt free throws, I think. I agree with you. And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of upset I didn't take more of that approach. But, yes, you can definitely see, you know, if you draft the Drummond in round two and then got Barrett late in the draft. As you mentioned, there's a, there's a lot of players that have had trouble making their free throws this season. So um, it would be a very viable strategy. Yeah, and – a couple other guys you mentioned, just rewinding a little bit. Tristan Thompson, I have, I am really kicking myself for not taking him in the 30-team league, 30 deep. He was sitting there, and I took Mason Plumley instead, oh. which stupid. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> but, but, you know, contract year for Thompson, I, I, ha- I was thinking about it, and then for some reason I was like, eh, Plumley does some nice things all around. He's <laughs> a nice 30-team 30, 30 guy, which he actually kind of is, yeah. but Thompson obviously looking way better. Uh I can't remember who else you mentioned. Oh, PJ Tucker. What? Uh, what's going on there with uh, with the scoring? Obviously, you know, like you said, you expect the threes and steals, some blocks here and there. He's a sneaky, valuable guy in nine category leagues. But sixteen point seven points per game doesn't feel sustainable. But it definitely has has my attention. Yeah, I think he'll certainly will come back down to earth. I think there'll be some regression to the mean there. He's shooting sixty four percent from the floor, which obviously won't keep up. Um, and it's over 66% from three on six attempts a game. Um, but even if he, you know, shoots, you know, closer to 45%, um, and, and, you know, 40, 38% from the three, give you nine, you know, nine, 10 points a game. Um, he's also rebounding better. Uh, I just think he's obviously found a solid fit in, in Houston. He's kind of the hub of that team, a real glue guy in the true sense of the word, obviously gives them the defensive um, stability that they need. And Westbrook, it seems like they have a nice little chemistry there. Tucker's benefited from a lot of Westbrook driving kicks in, 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 the, in the action that I've seen from Houston games. So I think, again, he's going to camp out in the corner, knock down threes, not hurt you in turnovers. Last year, he averaged only 0.5 turnovers, um, while 1.6 steals per game, 0.5 blocks, so uh, and, and over one assist. So, uh, again, um, boring, but a lot to like there. Tucker findings reaching into some untapped upside at age 34. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, one other guy in Houston, while we're talking about guys who sit around on the wing in Houston and wait for the ball to be swung their way, uh, Daniel House is a guy that I've noticed is kind of an interesting late-round flyer type. He's averaging nearly 11 points per game, five boards, one block, couple threes a game, 
he's kind of been a sneaky guy, I think, in deeper leagues especially. Have you noticed him at all? I have. I uh, got some questions about him um, in um, – I did a, the Q&A yesterday. Um, I, I, you know, I think the only – there's a limited upside there. Even in 31 minutes per game, he's only averaging one assist, 0.3 steals. He's averaging a block, sure. but not a, he's not, he's not, he's not going to give you much besides points and threes. Um, and he's going to hurt your field goal percentage most likely. Um, or even not going to kill you. He's shooting 39% for this year, but 43% for his career. But that being said, if you do need threes um, in deeper leagues, there's obviously yeah. not a guy floating around the wire. So he's, uh, again, in, in a perfect situation. Yeah, Houston. deep league guy. Yep, yep. Cool. All right. Well, Tommy, anyone else uh, you want to mention before we get out of here? Um, I think that's about it. One other guy I just had, had happened to note, um, I'll probably mention him in my notable numbers column tomorrow, was Kawhi Leonard. I think we, we you, you've heard of him, right? Um, uh, familiar. The, familiar. The one cool thing about Kawhi is his assist this year. Um, he's averaging over 7, uh, 7.5 per game, uh, has a, at least six assists in each of his last three games. Per basketball reference, that's the first time in his career um, that he's done that. So adding a new little uh, level, a uh, little uh, bonus to his game. Obviously, he drafted Kawhi for, for a bunch of other stuff. Um, but the fact, and he's averaging a career high 27 points and 1.8 blocks. Um, but the, the fact that he's dishing the ball playing on a Clippers team without a true point guard, um, especially when Pat Beverly's off the floor, has allowed Kawhi to be a little bit of a facilitator and a nice little bonus for those of us that drafted Kawhi. That's crazy, man. All of that in 29 minutes a game, too. And he and Joel Embiid are the only guys in the top uh, 12 on a per-game basis, averaging less than 30 minutes a game. Uh, All right, well, Tommy, your notable numbers comes out on Wednesday. Wednesday. Is that right? Cool. Uh, hey, you know what? While we're here, since you mentioned him, how about Kendrick Nunn? Obviously, he was pretty spectacular in the Heat's first three games. That was before Jimmy Butler came back on Tuesday night. So we may have a different perspective on that. So I'm getting your thoughts before Butler returns. Uh, what do you think, though? Do you think the, the Butler return is going to take a big chunk out of Nunn's value, a little chunk, uh, I no definitely chunk would all? say a chunk. Um, I guess we'll find out going forward whether it's, whether it's big or little. Sure. I'm, I'm setting a trap for you because I'm asking you I think if I had to guess one, I'd say little, um, but there's also going to be some regression to the mean. Um, uh, you know, this is uh, probably unlikely to see a guard that, that takes over six threes a game, uh, shoot over shoot 52% from the floor. Um, hasn't missed the free throw yet this year, averaging two steals. So I think those numbers will come back down to earth a little bit. I think his playing time will obviously uh, decrease a little bit, even though Spolstra has hinted um, that he'll remain in the starting lineup. Um, I obviously wouldn't even think about cutting him. I wouldn't even think about trading him unless I got a you know a, a really solid offer. I assume some people are going to try to swoop in and, and scoop him up. Um, I'd hold. I'd sit tight for another week or two and let's address it next week and, and kind of see where we're at. All right, you can follow Tommy on Twitter at Tommy Beer. Thank you for your time. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, Matt. Be good. See you, man. Hitting cleanup today on the episode is the guy who stole Andre Drummond from me in the Roto World Fantasy League. Just came in in the night and just well no, it no, it was a gentleman's trade. Uh Nikola yeah. Vucevic for Andre Drummond. Who Nikola Vucevic who I didn't even notice shot one for thirteen on Monday night. Um <laughs> no, I, I feel great about it. Uh haven't had no buyer's remorse at all about uh, my no, favorite no, NBA no, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. But I think it's the the Blake being out factor has set off Andre Drummond and uh, yeah. I don't think you introduced me. My name is Ryan Knauss, by the way. 
Ryan Knaus is here. Uh, who, who? Thank you for handling the hosting duties as well. I'm just gonna leave. You, I'm gonna leave, and you just go for like ten minutes, okay? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Knaus is here. I was so um, eager to to get out my remorse about the trade that I forgot to introduce you. Uh, Ryan, what has caught your eye? What things or thing trend or trends have caught your eye this first week and change of the new season? Oh, so much we could talk about. You mentioned Nikola Vucevic, so it didn't sound like you're overly panicked, I guess. And I wouldn't be either, even though he did shoot one of 13. I imagine that's one of a handful of times in his career he's been that bad from the field, right? Yeah, I did not go back and check because it's still too raw. It's still yeah. too fresh. I'm not ready to do that. But yeah, it's an interesting point. Yeah, I think he, so. I'm not worried about Vooch. A couple guys who have had slow starts, like Robert Covington's off to a very quiet start. But he's kind of the master of slumps anyway. He'll be cold for weeks and then just go on some torrid stretch with first round value for a month. So I'm not worried about him. He's healthy, and that's really the key there. Um, Bradley Beal's another stud who's just been pretty bad out of the gates shooting 30.6 percent you know you could look at well he's got new personnel next to him he's trying to figure out how to play his game while also getting other guys involved you know he's getting tons of defensive attention but we saw all of these same factors last year after you know john wall was out he was the focal point and he made it work with elite value so um those are some guys i'm not worried about do you have any concern about beal maybe uh I don't think so. I, I think it should get easier for him. Um, and and you can laugh if you want, but I actually think Isaiah Thomas uh, being back actually helps that that whole offense yeah, or should. Like he looked really good in their first game. So he, you know, another score could help open things up. You know, the Wizards aren't good, but they do have, you know, a couple guys in Thomas Bryant and Rui Hachimura that defenses have to pay some attention to. Yeah. So Beal did have some horrendous shooting performances last year. You know, I think it just happens to be maybe that they're strung together at the start of the season. Yeah. So nothing to worry about there. And then I guess the opposite side of the spectrum, some guys I am worried about after slow starts. I'll I'll just kind of rattle them off. Maybe Let's and do you, it. Could, you could tell me. Uh, so T- Thomas Sadoransky, despite starting, looks really bad. Pretty much, he's only playing twenty four point nine minutes. Kobe White looks good as a scoring option off the bench. Chris Dunn's getting minutes, so worried about him if you drafted him. Uh, Eric Bledsoe and Mike Conley, both veteran point guards, much more worried about Bledsoe. I think you can blame the ribs if you want, but this is a carryover from the postseason last year. George Hill is eating his minutes, and rightfully so. He's playing great. Bledsoe's playing terribly, so worried about that. Um, Conley is just, I think he's shooting under 20% from the field. He was one of 16 in the opener. Exactly 20, I think. 20%. Yeah, so that's terrible. And his minutes, this is maybe more concerning to me. He's only playing 25 minutes a game. Yeah. Uh, I can't totally diagnose it because I've only watched one full jazz game, but you have to be concerned if you have Conley, right? Yeah, Jared, that was the first name that Jared Johnson brought up when he was on with me earlier. Yeah. And the jazz are actually a team that I – have a bit of a blind spot for me in this early part of the season. I haven't watched much jazz yet, but I mean, we'd know Mike Conley, you know? So right. I, we, Jared and I came to the conclusion that he's probably the perfect buy low because the logic I said to Jared was you, the buyer should be worried too in the, in the perfect buy low, you should be a little apprehensive because that means the person you're trading with is yeah, really worried. going to be you know? desperate. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think they get much like a buy low gets much better than Mike Conley, a proven guy who's had a horrendously frustrating start. 
when it's totally amplified at the start of the season. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's fair. So even though I am a little bit worried about him, that maybe that's a good thing because exactly said, it, means, it means everybody's worried about him. Exactly, it's kind of twisted logic, possibly, but I'm gonna <laughs> go right. with it. I'm gonna go with it. Yeah. Um, and he was in foul trouble the last game when he went 0 for seven. Yeah. So I don't know, you know. And, and who else? Oh, Sadaransky though. Yeah, that's a bad because that's a bad because uh, this Bulls um, this Bulls point guard uh, rotation is a mess. It's sort of a three-headed yes. monster, and if there's one it's, guy it's I'd like to New York roster, Knicks-esque. it is, but it's even more Knicks than the Knicks <laughs> because there, there was a little clarity before Alfred Payton got hurt in New York. But yeah, what was I gonna say? Oh, I mean, if there's one I want on my roster, it's um, it is uh, Kobe White, although he's been super inconsistent as well. Two good games, two kind of quiet games. Sadoransky is a guy I was kind of excited about before the season, but a starting job is is just a title if the guy's not getting enough minutes yeah agreed and another guy like that that's a good segue to JaVale McGee who is a starter maybe gonna switch off starts with with Dwight Howard as well so that cuts into his value he's only playing minutes in the teens yeah so even though he was surprisingly great last year and you look at his numbers and you say well he only needs 20 24 minutes a game to be a top 75 guy but if he's only getting 16 18 minutes a game and AD is also patrolling the paint. I, I just don't see it getting better for him. So I've already no. cut him in a bunch of leagues. I'm like, it he, was just a, a blown pick. He got cut. I drafted him in multiple leagues as well and was pretty pretty pleased with myself for drafting him because he was not free in drafts, but he was really easy to get. And, a, yeah. you know, a guy with a path to, to mid-round value, like you said, he got dropped in our Roto World League and, and hit free agency. And that's how you know that his stock has really fallen because that's a deep league where people are, are pouncing on useful players. Yeah. Is he still languishing on free agency? I believe so. Yeah, I, I believe so he's, he's languishing. He hit free agency and now he's languishing on free agency. <laughs> where he belongs. Uh, as for Eric Bledsoe, when we did the Roto World Roundtable discussions uh, before the season, I think Bledsoe was one of the names we were talking about. I think I brought him up as a guy I was worried about a bust for me because of the postseason and yikes it's not it's not good that's that's not a guy I'm buying low on yeah and he was getting drafted not that late after Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry so those are guys you know if you're gonna get a kind of well I hate to say like boring but you know a steady veteran that we know doesn't have the the surprise upside of a John Morant I would definitely go for a guy like Kyle Lowry over Eric Bledsoe even a round or two earlier uh, Lowry's, so, yeah so I have no Bledsoe shares. So I don't either. Lowry's been electric. Um, Chris Paul, since you mentioned that name, he is off to a bit of a disconcerting start. But I also think he's probably a really good buy low because, again, only four games, a player's stat line can really get skewed by one game. And so Chris Paul's averaging like three assists right now, 13 points. Yeah. Um, his minutes would be a career low, I think, at 28 per game or something like that. However... He had one game with like 19 minutes when they they crushed Golden State by 28. So he did need to play a lot in that game. He's had two pretty good stat lines in four games. So it's Chris Paul. I really think the worry with him isn't production. I think the worry is staying healthy. I agree. And I I think the low minutes, if he's hovering right around 30 minutes a game, maybe that cuts down on the risk of of random DMPs, him sitting out back-to-backs. And I think there's been a very deliberate attempt for him to give Shea Gilgis-Alexander the ball, let him run the offense. If you watch the Thunder, the ball is in SGA's hands a lot. 
Uh, we've even seen Dennis Schroeder get really hot off the bench. He kind of took over games and took the ball out of Paul's hands in those instances. So I think it's been kind of a perfect storm for him. He's not shooting well, 42% from the field, 62% from the line. These are all fluky numbers. As you said, I don't, I'm not worried about his production. And he had 15 points, five boards, four assists, a couple of steals uh, in their last game. I believe that was on Monday. So that's heading in the right direction. Again, I mean, even a, a slightly declining Chris Paul is still a valuable fantasy player when he's on the court. Yeah, absolutely. Like he, he, I feel like if he was still playing when he was 40, he could probably put up relevant fantasy numbers. His yeah. game is not – he's quick. You know, he's got those bursts of quickness, but he's sort of been playing old man ball for a minute now. Yeah, exactly. It kind of got like a guy, you know, how Dirk Nowitzki just surprised us year after year because his game wasn't predicated on physicality and speed. Obviously, very different players, but I, I like that description of he's kind of playing that, that old old man basketball where he's not going to beat you with his quickness anyway. It's just his, his mind, essentially, and his shooting ability. So, Right. And by the way, Kyle Lowry, who you mentioned, has been pretty electric. He looks like yeah. he is going to come away as one of the big steals of draft season. Yeah, if he, I mean, health is always a little bit of a nagging concern for him, but he's looking great right now. So unfortunately, I only have him in one league, I think, but I, I wish I had a little more Lowry exposure. Yeah, same same here. I got him in the Roto World League when you guys were all taking the fun players. Yeah. I had a, <laughs> an, a Kyle Lowry, Al Horford turn, uh, which was actually Looks I'm pretty happy right about now. now. <laughs> uh, one, one guy I do have I wanted to ask you about uh, as a potential sell-high guy and that's Brandon Ingram. Are you buying? I mean, right now he's sitting on first round value. Do you think he can finish as top 30, top 50 perhaps? Because wow. he's he averaging really is, 25 he? points. He's just beasting. Almost 10 rebounds a game, five dimes. The defensive stats are there and pretty good percentages. That's crazy. I mean, if there was a universe where I thought that I could get back a, a more proven top 20 guy for him, I would, yeah, definitely do, I would definitely do that. But I don't think you are. I was not high on Ingram coming to the season because he was not a steals, blocks, and threes guy. He was not a good free throw shooter, and he had sneaky high turnovers. So he and by the way, I mean he was outside the top two hundred in nine category leagues last year. So this yeah. is a insane leap. He's basically going from <laughs> like Andrew Wiggins territory to like elite value, which is yes. not something that players often do. No, I, I took him in the in a couple points leagues. I, I might have him in an eight cat, but in no universe did I think he would look this good. Now I say sell high because I would probably take a mid round guy for him. Like if I could get, I mean, easily I'd take Chris Middleton easily. I'd probably take Danilo Gallinari. Just interesting. Name him and I'd probably take him. I don't know. I, that's interesting. I, again, I didn't draft Ingram, but if I had him now, I, I might be, bit. I might be starting to, it, I think it would be hard for me to trade him for a Middleton or a Gallinari, I think is my point. Because okay. I think I don't, ha I don't have him in any of my leagues, but I think I would be starting to really feel invested. And to trade him for like a boring guy, quote-unquote boring guy like that, I'm yeah, not sure I could do it. I don't know. I said Gallinari. Now I'm second-guessing myself. But, <laughs> but Middleton for sure. My question with Ingram is can he – I mean, he's played two games already without Aaron – or Drew Holiday. So that obviously bumped up his usage – huge role for him obviously zion is out when those two guys are back and healthy i just don't know that he could he could hit that role i don't know he can stay this efficient shooting the ball at 50 percent right and he's missed 53 games combined over the past two seasons so with, with his lanky frame can he stay on the court so bunch of question marks it's just it's an interesting topic is he a sell high guy or, or do yeah you, do you trust him 
I think he is a sell high guy, but he, I don't think he's a must trade away. Gotcha. I would absolutely don't just dump him for anything you can get. But yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a guy who goes from outside the top 200 to, you know, top 10 all of a sudden, <laughs> midweek of week two, you've yeah. got to at least be kind of floating a few things around there. Yeah, see what Josh Richardson's owner is thinking about him. If I could get Kelly Oubre for him, I would do that in a split second. For example, yeah. uh, Jared and I were talking about Kelly Oubre. I'm not saying you, I would not give you Kelly Oubre for him in a league, but someone might. It's an interesting, yeah. That's that's the other part of it is just see what how people value them. You know, maybe Ingram's owner loves him and believes he's going to be a legit top 30 guy, and then he won't trade him. But yeah. it never hurts to to try. If he drafted him at 120, maybe he's willing to get a regular you know mid round guy for him. Ingram, the other reason to potentially think about dealing him away is he is a polarizing player. I think before the season, there were people who were like, oh, man, I, I can't believe so-and-so got Ingram in this draft. I missed out on him. And then there are people like, I'm not touching Ingram. Right. So, you know, there are there are probably people in your league, if you're trying to trade him, who are super just as ex- or more excited than you are, I should say, Yeah. about his start. And I don't know, one, uh, just one quick, I know we don't have a ton of time, but OG Ananobi, is he another guy you're, you're buying <laughs> so into? So funny. Has, it, has this already come up? No, it's so funny that you um, mentioned that because while we've been talking, I kind of scroll around Basketball Monster while we're talking, and I literally had just zeroed in on that name, <laughs> and I was thinking how you drafted him. I was thinking how I missed out on OG Ananobi in all my leagues, and I was thinking, man, that dude is crushing it. Yes. <laughs> He's been incredible with the defensive stats, boards, hitting threes. I think that's one of the most impressive things to me. He looks very consistent with his shot from deep uh, uh, and just massive minutes over 34 games. So That one's paining me because, like, I, I had heard, you know, I know Gallagher was talking about him in the preseason and in the 30 deep league. I had a couple whiffs in that league. And I could have gotten in an OB. I can't remember who I took instead, but I didn't, and that hurts. I got him late. I got him at, like, 160 or something. Yeah, I was thinking about him, like, I think before he went, when he was still there. I looked at him at one yeah. point. And it's a hard guy to – because it's not like he crushed it in the preseason, I don't think, if I remember no, correctly. No, not, not really, although he looked considerably better than he did the previous year. Right, but you're basically – this is a huge leap of faith this year. Oh, of you know, course. Taking him. And yeah. Wow. Anyways, I, I also thought it was funny because you and I were talking – on another podcast about how he's a horrendous free throw shooter and he's part of your free throw punt build and i believe he's over on the season i don't know how many he's shot i'm looking he's, at it right i now. think he's only taken two or something but okay well i saw one of them both. and boy was it a brick oh no he's only missed one. Oh, he's is that right one. yeah oh. and it was a hard brick and it was in the first game and it was hilarious always mystifying to me when a guy can hit his three pointers but not his free throws like it's how quiet does, it's quiet in that gym you're, you're there with your thoughts to make a shot as a as a recreational basketball player, I'm a pretty good three point shooter and not a great free throw shooter. Uh, and okay. You get that free throw line, it's scary. You just freeze up. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's all those big crowds at the Y, huh? <laughs> yeah, there's huge crowds for my New York Urban <laughs> Professionals Athletic League games over the years. Um, all right, well, Ryan, uh, good stuff, man. As always, uh, we'll be checking in with you on the Wednesday shows regularly. Uh, any columns coming up that you want to talk about? Yeah, in fact, tomorrow I'll be posting a column with the headline "Small Sample Size Statistics." So oh. fun with numbers. What a you know, after two, three, four games, you find some some crazy stuff that may or may not be sustainable. So that's what we'll I be looking it. at. I love it. All right, so look out for that. Um, that's on Wednesday, right? Correct. Okay, cool. And if you want to follow Ryan on Twitter at Canals underscore R W. Ryan, peace. Thanks, man.
All right, that is about it for this Whip Around episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Take a moment to rate and review the show as well. Thank you to Dr. A, Jared Johnson, Tommy Beer, and Ryan Canales for checking in. Looking forward to hearing all their thoughts throughout the season. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you soon.